Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm your host, Sam Kane. And I hope everyone's having a good new year. Happy 2022. Let's get into the current news going on in today's NBA. Guess what? We have a trade. The Pistons have sent Rodney Magruder to the Nuggets for Bowl Bowl, who just cheated on his girlfriend apparently eight times, according to his girlfriend, who's probably his ex-girlfriend now. But she said she thinks he might have cheated even more than that. But anyways, that didn't scare the Pistons away from trading a second rounder to get him. So this is great. We're going to see more playing time for Bull Bull, who is a very exciting player to watch. I look forward to that. Lance Stevenson is back in the NBA. He is back and he is apparently expected to sign a remainder-of-the-season deal for the Indiana Pacers. This is, this is wonderful. I mean, a lot of people are not a fan of uh, what COVID has done to the NBA, decimating rosters, bringing back all these old dinosaurs into the league. But I love it. Lance Stevenson got 30 the other night, 20 points. In the first quarter, come on. You gotta love that as an NBA fan, right? What else is going on? Jalel Okafor going to play in China. Well, if you can't get an NBA deal this year, then uh, yeah, that's that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to play in China. That It's really uh, troubling that... You know, Greg Monroe was able to get a deal, but uh, Jalel Okafor is uh, having trouble. He's signing with Guangxia uh, of the Chinese Basketball Association. So best of luck to him. Hopefully he will be a double-double machine. The Nuggets are signing DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, who we just talked about last uh, week on the podcast. Well, yeah, last year on the podcast. But, uh, yeah, last week, he was killing it for the Bucks, And they waived him and decided to keep autopilot player Wes Matthews. Wow, Bucks, Very regrettable. Okay, let's uh, get into today, today's show. All right, and today we are talking about a team that was relevant for 20 years, uh, always a title contender until, well, I'd say a few years ago when most of their veterans left them, either retired or uh, went to the Charlotte Hornets, i.e. Tony Parker. Of course, I am talking about the San Antonio Spurs, and they are a rebuilding team finally after all these years it never seemed like this team was going to ever rebuild because these veterans kept playing and playing and playing, and they'd always find these guys out of the woodwork. Kawhi Leonard, excellent, made, instantly made them a, uh, a title contender for years to come, uh, injecting youth into that core of Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. But... Now, most of those veterans are gone. They only have Thaddeus Young 
and he was acquired in the DeMar DeRozan trade. He doesn't even really play for these guys. So it is the youth movement in San Antonio right now, and there's there's a lot of talent on this team. They're just they're inexperienced, I'd say. They're 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 getting there. They're getting there, but they're not quite all stars, I'd say. I the closest one to an all star that you probably have is Dejounte Murray. He's on a great deal right now. He is actually the highest paid player on the team, making fifteen point four million dollars, which is actually a very reasonable deal for him. He's making sixteen point five next year. Then after that, it's seventeen point seven. Now, with the way he's playing, he could easily be making $20 million, I'd say. So, good on the Spurs for locking him up for um, that long for um, an under-the-market uh, value contract, I'd say, for his skills. Next, I have Derek White. He is—he's pretty good. Pretty good as well. Also got him on a similar contract to DeJounte Murray. And oh, oh, the highest paid player who was once a D-leaguer is DeJounte Murray. He played for the Austin Spurs back in, I believe it was 2016 to 2017. You can still make a lot of money in this league even if he played in the G-League. But... Um, DeJounte Murray, he was drafted very late. I believe he was... Uh, when was he drafted? He was uh, all-defensive team, 2017 to 2018, but I almost want to say he was drafted um, 30th. I don't know if that's correct, though. i got to double-check. Um, 29th. DeJounte Murray was drafted 29th in 2016, so... Very, very impressive. Um, Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes making $4.5 million. Interesting. I saw him play a bunch um, in that Sixers game. Oh, he's he's nice. He, he was pretty much a spur for his whole career, except last year when he was on the Bucks. He uh, can hit threes. Good shot maker. Uh, I'm not going to kill you. On defense, really. I think they should probably trade him because he is 28 years old. And this is probably who Bryn Forbes is. He's probably at his peak right now. He'll probably have a few more years similar to the way he's playing right now. So he's he's only under contract for one year. It's $4.5 million. Not a ton of money. A playoff team could definitely use him. As uh, you can see how he performed in the playoffs last year, I believe he, he won the Bucks or really helped the Bucks win at least one game last year. I want to say it was in the Miami series. He went off and hit a bunch of threes. So that's probably a guy you're looking to trade. Uh, Thaddeus Young, I would trade him as well. Expiring contract, $14 million. There was a rumor that the Suns, might have been interested in him. This was very early in the season. Um, that deal was rumored to be Dario Saric and Jalen Smith for Thad Young. 
I don't think that's going to happen now, especially since Jalen Smith didn't play horrible when um, DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee were injured. They were actually, or he was actually uh, very solid, I'd say. So, I, I, I think Thad Young's probably going to get moved. Um, someone could probably use him. Price tag definitely high, but there's uh there's a couple playoff teams that have uh some some players making high salaries who are just not contributing or or worth the money so i could uh i could totally see them swapping that out for for Thad Young Oh my god that's right they have so the Spurs have Zach Collins as well hasn't played a game all season Got a twenty-two million dollar contract this off season, which is, uh, you know, very puzzling since I don't think he's appeared in a game in well over a year. Of course, he was under contract with the Blazers last year. Didn't appear in any game. He's he's been hurt um, pretty pretty badly. I what is it exactly? It's a looks like it's an injured. So Zach Collins has had three ankle surgeries within the past 10 months. It appears to be the right ankle, only the right ankle. That is actually insane. And uh, that really sucks. So that'd be awesome if he can come back and play. Looks like he is going to play this year. Hasn't appeared in any game yet. Um, looking like February might be the target date, perhaps. We will see. Got uh, got Lonnie Walker as well. Not bad. Devin Vassell, Joshua Primo, Keldon Johnson. A lot of young guys. A lot of young guys um, that they picked up in the first round. I think they should hold on to these guys, see how they develop. The the two guys who I think you got a good idea who they are at this point. Or actually I'm gonna say it's three. Two of them they drafted. The ones they drafted, Derek White, Lonnie Walker. I think you can you can look for some deals out there, maybe get a pick or, or something like that for one of them. I just I don't see a ton of more upside with them. So if you can get some kind of first rounder in return for them, I'd say go for it. And then hope that Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, you got Primo, who's extremely young. I think he's 19 years old. Got a lot of guys who who you can develop here. Um, and then hopefully you can just continue bringing in uh, young, talented players. So the Sixers game that I watched, um, we're recording this Sunday, January 9th, around 4 p.m. Actually, um, they played the the Brooklyn Nets today. My, I, get a, I get a text from my sister. She's actually at the game, of course. I had no idea she was going to be there. Now the Spurs got their ass kicked against the Sixers the other day. It was not pretty. It was not pretty. They were missing a lot of guys who were in COVID protocols. But still, 
it uh it wasn't much of a game. The Spurs lost by twenty something points, I wanna say. That was the final score. They were down by twenty for most of the game. Let me confirm the final score here. Uh Joel and B just <laughs> was having his way with uh all the Caucasian bigs. It was uh it was not pretty. It was uh one nineteen to a hundred. The Sixers won. Yaka Pirtle got two early fouls within uh, two minutes of the game. Actually, I am not. I'm not too thrilled with uh, Yaka Pirtle. He's that third player who I forgot to mention that I feel like the uh, Spurs should look to move. He's he can be a starter, but he could also just be a really good. Six man bench player. He he's not he's not a horrible player, but I don't know. Like as you see, this you you're screwed when you put a Joel and beat against him. Some games he can be effective starting, but I don't think he's uh he's who you want starting, um if you're if you're a playoff team. I think on a playoff team he's He's a bench guy. He'd be a great backup five. I'd say that's his that's his future here. This uh is probably uh going to be one of his last years starting in the NBA. That's my prediction. That's my prediction. I um I don't think the the Spurs should hold on to him for too much longer. He uh really could help a a playoff team. I'd say they should they should look to move him. They should they should look to move Derek White, Pirtle, and Lonnie Walker. Maybe get a couple first-round picks for them. Maybe there's a playoff team that just wants to add some depth. And they go after these guys and send over a couple firsts. Because the longer you hold on to these guys, eventually you're going to have to pay them. And they're not gonna take deal the uh, deals for under five million dollars. They're gonna be making, I think, minimum maybe eight million. Lonnie Walker, I think, is you can argue he's at least worth ten million a year. Bit of an overpay, maybe, but someone will pay him that much. He's a wing player. Wings are needed in this league, and. Hurdle making eight right now. Derek White making fifteen. I think. I think you just uh, you see if you can fetch some first rounders for these guys while developing uh, Vassal and Johnson more. I think that that should be the game plan for the next couple years. Um, I like that guy Drew Eubanks. He showed off his hook shot a little bit in that Sixers game. You know, he's good. He moves his feet and everything. Um, some early minutes here for Tyler Johnson, who uh, I, I, I was watching uh, the game from the Sixers broadcast, and they mentioned that he was actually a Sixer last week. And I think I might have read that, but very well might have forgotten it because it didn't, it didn't register with me right away. Like, what? He was on the Sixers, too? Did he even, like, appear in a game with him? I'll look it up right now. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I guess he appeared in three games with the Sixers. Only playing... Well, he played some minutes. 10 minutes here, 16 minutes there, 10 minutes here. You know, I think Tyler Johnson's a NBA caliber player, so that's cool that he got another opportunity in San Antonio. But, uh, God, the Spurs, they were just really, really turning the ball over this game. It was, uh, it was pretty ugly to watch. It, it seemed like a team that really hadn't been playing with each other for a while, and uh, that's probably because you're mixing and matching a bunch of bench guys or people at the very end of the bench who are now playing with uh, some starters. I mean, DeJounte Murray played in this game, Jakob Pertl. Uh, Bryn Forbes, who I, he's more of a bench guy, but, you know, he's a, he's a plug-in. You can plug him in to start, sure. Kata Bates-Diop, I have him on one of my fantasy teams. Puts up, puts up uh, some solid numbers, I guess. Like, not great. But he fills out he fills out the box score. Let's say that he doesn't put up a ton of points, but he'll get rebounds, get some steals, blocks here and there. So he's on one of my better fantasy teams, and I usually don't mess around with uh, the teams that are winning. You know, with like with my other rosters, I I use the waiver wire as much as I can cycling guys out um, in most of the leagues that I'm in we get uh, four uh, waiver picks a week so usually it's uh, dropping someone picking up another person and I can do that four times I don't do that with uh, with teams that are winning because it just it, it doesn't make sense why why would I keep cycling guys if uh, you know I'm, I'm winning every week and Bates Diop is on one of those winning teams, so he's he's just kind of been chilling there. I think he had a couple decent games. I know he torched the Lakers one game. That was pretty hilarious. But he's he's just on my roster. I, I don't think he's putting up eye-popping numbers, but whatever. He's there for now. I actually had Trey Jones on uh, one of my rosters as well. I was I was about to drop him too. I was about to drop him, and then a few days ago, that's when they announced that uh, Devin Vassal, Derek White, um, is it McDermott? McDermott might have been on that list as well. I know he didn't play in the last game. Uh, just announcing that the so many Spurs players were going to be in safety and protocols, so. I, was ready to uh, drop Trey Jones, I think for Patrick Beverly, actually. And as soon as I saw that report, I canceled the waiver right away because I was like, oh, that, Trey Jones, he's going to get a bunch of minutes. And then for whatever reason, like a day later, they say, oh, Trey Jones is now in safety and protocols. And it's like, what the hell? What the hell? I think I dropped someone else and still picked up Patrick Beverly 
And then Patrick Beverly's injured as well. It's you know, it's fantasy basketball. It's uh it's wild. It's a daily thing. You really have to be paying attention like hours hours minutes actually before tip off because you'll guy you'll have like um you'll have a guy on injury reserve he'll he'll be on there for like 3 weeks and then like a half an hour before the game starts they'll be like oh yeah he's playing tonight it's like whoa what what get him in get him in and then a lot of times you have to waive someone on your roster in order to activate someone from the injury list so that's always difficult, especially if you have a good team and you like all your players. But the um, the Spurs have definitely been helping my fantasy team a lot. Lonnie Walker's on um, that team I mentioned, the, uh, the class of 2018 draft team. I think Lonnie was uh, one of the last picks of... Uh, Want to say? Oh no, it was sort of mid first round. He was drafted 18th for the Spurs in 2018. Doesn't have that crazy hair like he used to have. That was a uh, that was some cool hair. But they are they're playing a lot of youngsters. This guy Jock Landale as well. He was on my fantasy team for a little while. He's a big man. He was trying to guard Joel Embiid the other day. Didn't work. Same with Eubanks. God, Embiid had some nice dunks in that game. It was one where I think Embiid just dribbled up the court, and then he was isoing against Eubanks, just dribbling, probably carrying the ball, whatever. Who cares? But but Embiid literally was like looking like a guard out there, like just like dribbling back and forth, like staring down Eubanks. Makes it past Eubanks. I think it was Landale that tried to stop Embiid at the rim, was way too late. Embiid just slammed it with authority. It was uh it was great. It um it got a oh from me, let's just say that. You know. Got a reaction out of me. But, uh, yeah, Primo played in this game a little bit as well. He is, uh, he is young. He, uh, he got a couple calls, surprisingly. I think, uh, who was it? Was it Korkmaz? Is he a Korkmaz? I don't know. Someone, one of the Sixers was driving to the basket, and Primo was trying to get a charge, was definitely uh, moving his hip a little bit to try and get the contact, and um, Primo got it. Primo got the call. It was an offensive foul. The Sixers announcers were uh, in disbelief. The Sixers announcers are very strange, actually. Yeah, they they were weird. And at one point, the guy uh, was singing "Move, Bitch" for for whatever reason by Ludacris because I guess Embiid was playing really well, so he just decided to start singing that. And then the the female commentator that was with him was like, "Oh, it's a good thing you sang the edited version." Ha ha. 
who are these guys? I mean, these are like the types of announcers you'd expect in Sacramento or Minnesota. But they're they're in Philadelphia. A lot of people watch the Sixers, and this is who they hire. I think they were talking about food at one point too. They weren't even commenting on the game. Like it was garbage time, but I couldn't tell who some of the the Spurs players were out on the court at the end of the fourth. So some one of them got a bucket. Number 18 on the Spurs, I still do not know who that is. I probably should look it up. It's probably like one of the 10-day guys that they picked up. Is it Jalen Morris? Maybe it's Jalen Morris. I don't know. But I was like, oh, who just got a basket? Maybe Maybe they'll say something. But no, they're talking about like food or something like that. What were they talking about? Oh, they they um I think they were they were talking about uh Wendy's Frosties because um the the Sixers uh they always do this like if like if, like yeah you, you hold a team to under 100 points you'll get a free Big Mac everyone in attendance gets a free Big Mac and this one I believe was if someone on the Spurs missed two free throws they would get a Wendy's Frosty, but it was um, it was someone who was fouled on a, a three, so the guy missed the first two free throws, and then he had another one, and then the announcer was like, oh, if he misses this one, we get a, a medium fry, right? Yeah, what do you think, Shirley? I don't know what her name is, but um, it, it, it was pretty pretty cringe listening to them you know and this is this is coming from someone who has to listen to scowl all the time what else what else with this game um everyone was just afraid of Joel Embiid and it was it was hilarious Embiid is so freaking good oh my god so good and like it it wasn't even a question because remember, he was drafted in 2014, didn't start playing until the beginning of the 2016-2017 season. And he just took away Jaleel Okafor's job right away. <laughs> like It was just so night and day. It was so obvious how much better Embiid was right off the bat. I think uh, Okafor averaged nearly 20 points a game. In his rookie year, but and B was a, a beast. So now Okafor's playing overseas, and Embiid's an MVP candidate. I think they they put up a graphic month of December. Embiid was third in scoring, uh, behind Trey Young and Kevin Durant. So. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Murray had a great steal. <laughs> I think uh, Andre. It, it's weird how the Sixers use Andre Drummond. There'll be times where he's like playing point center, but a lot of times he isn't like paying attention. Like he'll have his back to the basket, and someone will pass him the ball at the top of the key. But he's like he's not paying attention to too many people around him. So. At one point, Murray just picked his pocket and just went up, 
got the steal. I think Korkmaz was challenging him. Like, he, he was hustling, trying to get the ball. Korkmaz actually fell, and I think uh, Murray, Murray tripped up as well, but uh, was able to keep his dribble and uh, got the basket. Murray's the best player on this team. He is definitely the guy who they should keep, and he's still pretty young, 25. I think yeah, you definitely hold on to him, especially considering how cheap his contract is uh, compared to... He could easily be making 25 a year, and no one would think that's an overpay whatsoever. But $15 million, I mean, Josh Richardson's making $11 million, and that guy is uh, not great. Not great. Thad Young's making $14 million. And he's 33 years old. So you got you got a guy 25 years old putting up all-star-like numbers. And uh, you got to yeah, hold on to him. I've been trying to figure out trades. Like, I would love to just trade Dennis Schroeder to this team for Bryn Forbes. Schroeder makes about $5.8 million. Forbes makes about four point five. So, uh, the Celtics, I believe, are seven or almost seven million dollars over the tax. The Celtics suck this year, and they are n- in no way going to pay that kind of money. So, um, you know, we're uh, Celtic fans are just kind of waiting for <laughs> Juancho uh, Hernan Gomez to get traded because he's making six million dollars. So it's like, okay, that's that's the easy solution to this. You just you're gonna have to make a team take on his contract. So then that's probably gonna require getting rid of a second rounder. So, uh, you know, OKC, enjoy Juancho Hernan Gomez. He's probably not going to play for you guys, but he is most certainly going to get traded for uh, to your team. Uh, probably this month or maybe early next month. I would certainly expect that, but the Celtics, they got to make some other moves too and save money. So I think that would be a good one. Schroeder. To the Spurs for Forbes, like financially, that would make sense. But the thing is, the Spurs are not a playoff team. They do not need Dennis Schroeder. So why why would they do that? So I mean, this isn't a uh, a trade related to the Spurs at all. But since we're on the topic, I actually came up with a little tradey poo for the Celtics. It's with the Suns. Dennis Schroeder makes $5.8 million. Josh Richardson makes 11.6. Together, that is 17.5. You trade that to the Phoenix Suns title contenders for Dario Saric, who's making $8.5 million, and Jalen Smith, who's making $4.4 million. That totals to $12 million. The Celtics are swapping $17 million for $12.9. $17.5 million for $12.9 million. 
So that's saving them like four or five million bucks. That's not bad. That's not bad. Why not? Why not? We don't need Dennis Schroeder or Josh Richardson. Who cares if we go to the playoffs or not? Where? where that's not happening. Uh, I mean, it is happening, but uh, probably. We'll probably get the play-in. But who cares? This is a lost season. And if you're a Celtic fan and you can't recognize that, then I don't know what to tell you. You probably just haven't been watching the team for long enough. But this is middle-of-the-road team. The Phoenix Suns, yeah, they're paying a lot of money for this team, and they probably don't want to pay a ton more. But Richardson and Schroeder are legitimate rotation players. And if the Suns can have those two guys at the end of their roster... I think they would love that. I don't I don't think Sarich is coming back this year. I haven't heard anything. I could be wrong. Jalen Smith. Eh, you know, he might need a little time to develop. But that's not really what the Phoenix Suns have. They don't have a ton of time. They are in win now mode. Chris Paul ain't getting younger. Ain't getting younger. What's his birthday? 1985. So he's going to be 37 this year, right? Is he already 37? I don't think he's already 37, but he will be. You bet he will be. Yeah, he's 36. He's five months. He's turning 37. So the window is now. Playoffs, you need depth. Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, that is perfect depth right there for the Suns. Okay, that is that had nothing to do with the Spurs whatsoever, but I um, was playing around with the trade machines, so I thought I'd share it. Spurs fans, look, this is good. This is good. Look, just be happy. You won. You won in the last decade. Now you're rebuilding. Enjoy the rebuild. Enjoy it. I guess. I don't know. I, I know you guys have, have lost some tough ones this year. Um, I was listening to a podcast um, right before the Celtics-Spurs game that was uh, talking about... Um, it, it was basically a, a it was from the locked on network so it was the Spurs locked on guy with the Celtics locked on guy and they were talking a little bit and he did mention that the Spurs had uh, you know had some similar problems to the Celtics where they'd be you know losing big leads and uh, choking towards the end of the game so I know that's probably not enjoyable, but I'm sure it was very enjoyable beating the Celtics last minute a couple nights ago, or like, what was that, five nights ago now? And then what happened today? What happened today? Let's see. The Spurs and the Nets. Like I said, my sister was at this game. Oh, wow, it went to OT. Let me call her. 
So that's exciting. I love when games go into OT. I got to see... Oh, she's calling back. Hey, you're on my NBA podcast. I, I was actually talking about the Spurs anyways. So you you just you saw them in person. What was that like? They actually played really well. And it was like a close game the whole time. Oh, they yeah. went into overtime. Um, and the Nets ended up winning. But it, it was definitely a close game. It was a really good game. How did Tyler Johnson play? Um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm just Sorry. kidding. It was a fun game? Yeah, it was a really good game. I thought it was going to go into double overtime. It was really close. Yeah, it looked like you had really good seats. Oh, we just we just walked up closer. Oh, did did you have um the uh, upper upper deck seats originally? Uh, no, they're in like the 200s, but we literally just walked down. Half of the seats were empty, I think because of COVID. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, and no one said anything. It was completely fine. So, but it was a really great game. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. Wow. You're getting to know the Nets really well now. You probably, probably know <laughs> kind of. Harden and Durant pretty well at this point. Yeah. I actually have been trying to pay attention. That's I remember good. who the players That's are. Good. You've been to more NBA games than I have this year. Was this your third <laughs> Nets game? Uh, yes, I think so. Wow. Wow. Well, I really want to go to that uh, January 25th game. I think it's against the Lakers. So. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can ask around to see if my friends have tickets, but if not, um, you know, I'm fine with just getting tickets. I'll, I'll get a ticket as well. Yeah, they might be a little pricey, so. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon then. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, it sounds like the Spurs played well, surprisingly. Patty Mills playing his old team again. Very fun. Very fun. But, guys, you need to get some more picks. That's how you do a rebuild. You got to trade some of these guys. Don't hold on to this team. Get second rounders. For Bryn Forbes, that young. Just, just get something. Get something. You guys are good at picking. Look, you got Manu Ginobili in the second round. So it's the same front office there, right? I mean, Pop, he's been there... God, that's crazy. Greg Popovich has been there since 1996. No other, no other coach in the the Big Four uh, sports uh, leagues have been with their team for as long as he has. That is actually incredible. 1996, I was probably starting kindergarten, so uh, it's hard, hard to fathom. Speaking of Fathom, I know something that came from 20,000 Fathoms. The Beast! The, 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 the Beast! That is this week's movie, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. I know it's a lot of Fathoms, but that's where it came from. But what, what exactly is The Beast? What is it? Is it... 
a shark? Is it a polar bear? Could it be something from the prehistoric era? Well, I'm about to break that down for you. So, New Year, we're gonna we're gonna break down each movie a little differently um, because this creature feature book is all over the place with the movies um, that are inside. It's not just straight slasher monster movies there's some jalo movies uh some psychological thrillers some sci-fi movies basically if you watch a movie and you see something that couldn't happen in reality and it was released in the 20th century then it's probably in this book it is most certainly there and this week the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, well, that's a monster movie. That is a classic monster movie. It is from 1953. It has Lee Van Cleef in it. I don't know any of the other actors. Never heard of them. I know. I should probably know. I'm a film major. But I don't watch too many movies from the 50s. What more can I say? It has a decent rating on IMDb, a 6.7. It was directed by Eugene Laurie. What else did he direct? Well, we'll find out right now. He also directed The Giant Behemoth. Well, no, he was the production designer. But what did he direct? Did he direct anything else? No, he did direct the giant bro, he, uh, behemoth, but he was also the production designer. And it looks like he directed Godzilla. He did? Really? Okay. Or is this a different Godzilla? It's probably a different Godzilla. Or he directed Gorgo. He directed Gorgo, and then Godzilla from 1977... Most likely used footage from Gorgo. So, the beast uh, uh, from 20,000 Fathoms, like I said, a lot of fathoms, a lot of fathoms. What exactly is this thing? Well, it, it kind of looks like a clay dinosaur. So, that's what we'll start off with. We're going to break it down into four categories. The effects, the acting locations, the funniest scene, and then we'll end it on does it hold up with one of the best monster movies of all time, which I will reveal to you. I've actually referenced it on this podcast before. It's uh, it's the holy grail of monster movies. even has an A-list star, A-list star, who's still an A-list star, who's still alive, who makes a cameo at the end of the movie. So let's start off with the effects of this movie. Well, you know, it looks like a, a clay dinosaur that is uh, stop motion. It's not very good. It's uh, just moving amongst the city towards the end of the movie. You know, a lot of the movie, it's just the scientists talking about where this this thing is going. So... The Beast, 
it it appears in the North Pole, South Pole. No, it's the North Pole. It it comes from the North Pole. There's scientists. They're testing God knows what. And the beast is like, God, the fuck you doing? God, you stupid scientists. And it uh, it starts attacking them. It kills them. Oh my God, beast is on the loose. It is swimming down to Nova Scotia. What do we do? Ah! And then there's the scientist. And he's talking to the military guy. And they're like, This thing is swimming. It's going down. I think it's headed for Maine. And then in Maine, there's a lighthouse. And this has to do with the effects. This certainly has to do with the effects. The beast attacks a lighthouse. There were two two men, two lighthouse workers. It, and it wasn't Robert Pattinson and uh, what's-his-face, uh, Willem Dafoe. It was, it was different guys. But imagine if the lighthouse ended that way with a giant clay stop-motion dinosaur killing them. I mean, would anyone be surprised knowing how weird that movie was going? <laughs> so, yeah, this, it's, it's, it's not a horrible effect. I know it's 1953, but you got a you clay dinosaur is knocking down a, uh, a, a model lighthouse, obviously a model lighthouse, and it, it's not the worst. It's not the worst, but there's so much scientist talk. You know, it's like a half an hour. We got... We got the, the scientists and the military guy talking about, oh, what do you think this thing is? What, what could it be? Well, you know, we already saw what it was. This is, this is just filler here. Like, show us some more action. This is boring. Come on. It's always like these movies. They're like, all right, we just need an hour of filler, and we'll spend... Most of the budget on the last 15 minutes of the movie when whatever monster we're going to use is attacking whatever city we're going to choose, basically. And in this case, it's New York. The Beast attacks New York. And, uh, I mean... At least it doesn't look like a toy dinosaur that's walking through the city. At least it's not a man in a suit. But it's clearly just a stop-motion clay dinosaur. Not too impressive. I give the effects, considering the time, I give them a B-. B-, that's a grade I used to get a lot. I used to I used to be happy when I got a B minus. It's like, hey, it's not a C. Not a C. No one can yell at me. It's still a B. Bs are fine. The acting uh I'll give it a D. I'm sure Lee Van Cleef did a a good job. I don't even know who he was in the movie. I just I just know the name because he was in um 
Who was he? It was Corporate Stone. Some guy. Some guy. Who is who is he in the movie? Let's find out. Lee Van Cleef. All these guys, they all look the same. It's all a bunch of old white guys. Lee Van Cleef, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Oh, he's the guy with the gun. The guy with the gun shooting everyone. Um, no, I, I will say, okay, I'm looking at, yeah, the, the lighthouse scene was cool. I mean, honestly, the still image of the beast about to attack the lighthouse looks cooler than um, what we see in the movie. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, uh, yeah, the acting, D, locations, give that a, a C. I guess we saw, we saw, oh, let, let's look at this. 11 deep facts about the beast from 20,000 Fathoms. I'm actually interested. I didn't do too much, uh research on this oh the movie was partly based on a ray bradbury story okay neat jack deets thought about casting a live reptile who is jack deets probably a producer that would be interesting a live reptile the beast itself went through several different designs i had to create a mythical dinosaur, Harry Hosen recalled. I don't know that. Who's Harry Hosen? The production designer? The creature designer? Has to be. Uh, stock footage from She was used during the avalanche scene. Yeah, so that's, that's how they saved all the money. I was wondering. The crumbling buildings were hard to animate. The leading lady was related to one of Bradbury's associates. Of course. No part of any ocean is 20,000 fathoms deep in real life. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, and the best. The director's kid absolutely hated the ending, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about. So locations, I give it a, give it a C, I guess. There's some funny scenes in the movie. Um, first of all, this beast, it, it comes out of the water in New York. And uh, it, it first it gets onto the dock in what's probably the East River, I'd imagine it is, in um, Manhattan. The docks of the East River. And the way these dock workers react to... A, a literal dinosaur just just crawling up from the ocean is uh you know it's kind of like how they would uh <laughs> i don't know it, the <laughs> it's almost like someone said okay guys time to run away <laughs> and that's it <laughs> they don't look scared whatsoever they um go like, oh, time to run <laughs> It's running time. It's like they they barely have any reaction to it. They just start running. And then there's a there's a a cop with a gun 
who's who's pretty close to the beast. He's just in the middle of the street. The beast is coming down the street. And uh, this guy, he's he's paying more attention to uh, whether his gun is about to work than uh, whether the beast is coming. I mean, you think you would try and look up at both, you know, as you see a giant dinosaur approaching you, you know, maybe maybe you back up a little bit if uh, y- your, your gun's not working, maybe. But no, this guy's just uh, standing still where he is, looking down at his gun. He definitely knows that there's a dinosaur heading towards him, but he's like, oh, let me just make sure this uh, works before I shoot. Oh! And then the beast just freaking eats him. It's like, uh, you deserve to die, New York cop. So, then eventually, I guess the dinosaur walks the Coney Island because there's a roller coaster where he is, and he he gets trapped in the roller coaster? So it, it's one of those above, well, obviously it's an above ground roller coaster. Isn't every roller coaster above ground? Is there any underground roller coasters? I don't think so. But it's one of those that has like the high tracks, one of those old school wooden roller coasters. For some reason the beast is there, and everyone gets him surrounded. And they decide to light a fire around the whole roller coaster to stop him. But that's not going to kill him, though. No, no, no. That's not going to kill him. So what they do is they get two guys to go up. And um, I'm, I'm dead serious. They're, they're wearing suits because of the fire. I'm pretty sure because of the fire, or maybe it was from the chemicals they were about to use. But they they literally look like they're wearing KKK outfits. This is not an exaggeration. It's appalling. It's appalling. So this guy, he's dressing as a Klansman, going up on the roller coaster because he wants to shoot a poison arrow through the beast's heart. Yeah, they 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 want to shoot something at the beast. They want to spear him and get him to die. So they go up the roller coaster. Uh, but 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 it's kind of dangerous, you know. There's a fire going on. Of course, these idiots make it to the top, and uh, they're able to shoot the beast. But their roller coaster car. Uh, falls forward down the track and uh, now these guys are stuck on top of a roller coaster and uh, they need to climb down. Also, uh, not much urgency when they do climb down. You know, there's not only a, a massive fire on all sides around them, there's also a prehistoric creature that's ready to kill them. And they climb down, and of course they make it because this movie's, you know, they they should have had the guy fall from the roller coaster. At least one of there there were two of them up there. At least have one of them fall, and it'll look fake. It'll look fake. You show the guy falling like a 
the guy at the beginning of Vertigo, like, like it looks like they're just zooming away from him (laughs) to illustrate him falling. But no, both of them make it down, and then the beast just collapses, and that's the end. And that's probably why the director's kids absolutely hated the ending, because they realized their father was racist, and that he, uh, really, that's it? That's all it took for the beast to die? You have D.C. Stevenson shooting a poison arrow at him? By the way, that this this uh, scene actually inspired uh, the band ABC to shoot Poison Arrow. I'm sure so many people are gonna get that reference. So, uh, what else? What else? What else? Funniest scene we did that. Uh, does it hold up to the greatest monster creature feature movie of all time? In my opinion. In my opinion. No, not even close. Not even close. The movie I'm referring to is Tarantula from 1955. The end of the movie is Clint Eastwood, a young Clint Eastwood dropping napalm on the tarantula to kill it. They actually used a real tarantula in that movie, and it works. It works. One of the best monster movies out there. Hopefully... I will find a better monster movie while going through this book. It's probably going to take years, though, because I'm not doing episodes as frequently. What does this get? This is... This is an Abbey rating. This is an Abbey rating. I can't recommend it. There's just not enough there. Not enough there to recommend it to uh, a horror fan. Maybe maybe if it's someone who's 80 years old and likes creature features, I'd say, Hey, did you see this movie? And they'd say, Oh, is that the one where Senator Robert Byrd goes up on a roller coaster and dick slaps that beast with a spear? What? What are you talking about, Grandma? Politicians, rich heretics, push narcotics amidst its risks and frisks. Cool clicks, throw bricks, but seldom get targets. Private dicks sell hits like porno flicks to chicks. The 666 cut wick like nuking grit sucks, bitch. Meanwhile, the government brings Star Wars from Glock to Glockers. COP has an APB out on Chewbacca. Mr. Mayor, could I say something in your honor? Yesterday in Central Park, they got the jogger. Okay, okay, okay. let's get the confusion straight and get Ogata. The man behind the mask you thought was Batman's Bill Clinton, who soon retire. The roof is on fire. Connie yeah. Chung brung the bomb as it comes from Oklahoma. Things are getting serious. Kumbaya. On a mountain, Satan offered me Manhattan. Help me, Jaja. I can't sleep at night. You can't. 
Search me with that probable cause or that proper ammunition they call reasonable suspicion. Listen, I bring friction to your whole jurisdiction. You planted seeds in my seat when I wasn't looking. Now you ask me for my license registration. Where the oath do I work? What the oath is my occupation? Well, I'm an MC. I'm down with the Fuji's Mother Mary. Caught a flashback like Rodney. Now the cops got lolly. The subconscious psychology that you use against me. If I lose control, will send me to the penitentiary. It's Alcatraz is shot up like El Haj Malisha Baz. Hot class can bypass when my tag gets harassed. And the fuzz treat bruhs like they manhood never was. And if you too powerful, you can bug like Peter Tosh and Marley was. And my word does nothing against the feds. So my eyes stay red as I chase crazy ball heads. Word up. Chases on, I feel like the bad guy. Fifth gear, 125, like New Jersey drive. Looked in my rearview mirror, police was getting closer. Heard a roar in the sky, looked up and saw enough. My inner conscience says, throw your handkerchief and surrender. But to who? The star spangled banner, oh. Say, can't you see? Cops more crooked than we. By the dawn, early night, robbing to get for keys. Easy, low key, crooked military. Pay taxes of my land, but they still harass me. Got me busting and cussing in the concrete jungle. Fuss being dribble like that tall kid with tumbles. Handle by Hannibal. Suitable to be a fugitive like Dr. Kimball. Hey, yo, should I slow down? Nah, kid, go faster. Just cause they got a badge, they can still be imposters. Probable cause got flaws like dirty drawers. Meet me at the corner store so we can start the street wars. chicken wing don't put that little that little retarded leg in it because right. cut, cut that off okay you know? then. don't put no onions in my in my white rice what's this Nigga, hold on what's this the two of you at once okay then Yo, you want beef no no we want no, beef no, no, to no. eat we I ain't want, got no beef i want four chicken wings fried Fine. hard Fine. all right i'll kick you monkey <laughs> 
we're from a state. Where it's gritty in the city, the lazy boy don't work, but gotta stay busy. Hustling your muscle for any door closed. Open sesame, show the recipe. But can't cook up without dish out, dish mouth. Spit rounds that'll leave souls lost. Swipe from the physical like go kart. Money withdrawal, hunted and all. Sun is divorced, stunning with talk. Poison pen, strong holding it. Carnage, mighty jokes rolling in. But folks knowing us as soloists, no joking, kid. Oh, so potent it when we grow. With bones of a dragon, dinosaur force. Son, you is whack with rhyming all off. These one liners decrease them album costs. Yeah, yeah. The wish of you to leave, you apply. I highly satisfied, keep stretching. Furious stratosphere, I still ain't on my plane. Yelling out what I got, Molotov's hot. And he rocks to the top, we're gonna block with a beatbox. My kids are unspontaneously rock and whatnot. Yeah, there's no spots to overreact. Hello, hello, in the dojo, trying to mellow, fellow, my ghetto, thorough, see trouble, trouble, see boys moving doubles, moving bundles, just trying to feed four, five seeds, the baby's little mouth, show no teeth, neighborhood watch at the bodega, any kind of hood is huddled around, if beef go down, then they muffle your mouth, eight arms switch, straight stuffing you out. The little punk crying, then running the house, playing patty cake games on the couch. Crying, y'all ain't built for gang raps. You only built for gang. You change, snatch, we bonafide. Ain't no bitch on this side, keep a cigar tight. Brave on the outside, snitch on the inside. Murk machines ripped tight, the torch on dope with the bleed. I'm a fat boy, all y'all is fool to me. Never, never, carnage, poison pill. Like biblical myths 
And this is an incarnational risk Trying to destroy these sensational bliss And it's beyond a station glitch Let's take a trip in my spacious ship My voice hit the drums like the sacred stick The Abraham in a Lee vacation with As you can see this ain't basic spit Kamach zone in the pirate ways Eyes raised at the sound that the guy plays But the world never understand my eye ways Or interior design Unruly with the shaka zuli tooling to your spine Supreme deity The song the angelic voices is playing me To keep the dark spirits from spraying me Hold on You can't help it What do you mean? It's dominated by another force What was inside you? Lacking the evolution Swinging through trees like primates Militant mind states, crime rates rise because of high poverty. My rich supports the brutality in my sovereignty. Solemnly swearing to protect and serve. I spark my swerve, watching for the beast around each curve. The nerve of them, rates raised from Greenspan, but stock rise. Don't add dollars to witch act plans. Creating mental stagnation is what they're getting into. The shots splatter the post and spot to change the venue. The menu is five star for deep pockets. That means the moguls robbing companies, stashing cash in the tropics. Time flies like sands in our glass. In the eyes of babes, while fortune for wealth like sweat factory slaves.